those of you listening to us on the internet and to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be around the world, and to our members and guests here at Beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God upon which we base our message on this first Sunday in Lent is the epistle lesson from James' epistle. You heard it read before from James chapter 1. I recall just these words. <clears throat> Blessed are those who endure when they are tested. When they pass the test, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who truly did suffer and then rose again to be our eternal Savior, my beloved. All of the readings this morning have to do with suffering, three different kinds of suffering. If you go to the etymology or the origin of the word suffer, it actually means to carry something that it's extremely heavy, a burden so heavy that you almost can't carry it. I remember back to my vicar year, my student uh, pastor year, and I was up in Ottawa, Canada, and one of the members of the congregation was an avid outdoorsman, and he always made it his goal to make sure that every vicar went along with him on a canoe trip. Now, this wasn't just any sort of canoe trip. It was a two-man canoe trip with a two-man tent. And you had to carry a 100-pound uh, backpack on your back, and those were the days when the backpacks were canvas. And then besides all that, as you would portage from one lake to the next, you had to carry a canoe. You took turns carrying the canoe. And I can remember the very first day when we went out there, I thought I was going to die. I was 155-pound, weakling. And so you're supposed to have this canoe in your backpack at the same time. And he kept urging on, I know you can do this, I know you can do this. And so I did it for day one. When I got up the next morning, I could barely walk. But I do have to tell you that after a week and a half of doing that day after day, I felt so strong, I thought I could try out for the Green Bay Packers. St. <laughs> Peter, in his epistle, reminds us that during our lifetimes, we are going to have to suffer or carry different kinds of trouble. St. James' epistle before us this morning as uh, the text for our message reminds us of two kinds of suffering, trials and temptation. Now to sort it out all this, mor this morning so that we can really get a, a, our arms around it, uh, let's talk about trials and tests and temptations. Those are the three kinds of sufferings that we will have to carry this side of eternity. First of all, there's trials or troubles. Those are simply difficult events that inevit inevitably come to everyone. Dented fenders, car accidents, broken arms, viruses, loss of a job, falling off your bike, broken relationships, and the list goes on and on and on, and there's no escape, there's no exceptions, and there's no exemptions for any of us. Why? 
because we're living in a broken world. Adam, Adam and Eve disobeyed their God, our God, and they passed on their sin down to everybody so that you and I are not just victims here in this broken world, we're actually perpetrators who need help. Troubles come to all people. And then there are tests. Tests come only to Christians. A test is a difficulty that is sent deliberately by God to reveal the depth of our character and ultimately to bring out the best in us. But we don't like tests. That's why St. Peter, again in his epistle, reminds us, you are extremely joyful about these things, even though you have to suffer different kinds of trouble for a little while now. The purpose of these troubles is to test your faith as fire tests how genuine gold is. Your faith is more precious than gold, and by passing the test, it gives praise, glory, and honor to God. This will happen when Jesus Christ appears again. Nobody likes tests. Not medical tests, not academic tests. And I remember back to the time when I was in grade school, the fire alarm. And there everybody was having a nice quiet day, perhaps in the afternoon and the school day, and then all of a sudden that, there was that ear-shattering buzzer, and it scared the living daylights out of everybody. Now, the purpose of a fire drill is not to burn down the school, but to test the student's ability to vacate the building in case of an emergency to prepare them for possibly a potential disaster. The thing about it, though, did you ever think about that? The principal knows that it's a test, but the students don't. God sometimes sends tests to mature us and enhance our witness for Jesus Christ. This past two weeks, and you know about it as well as I do, 21 Christians were beheaded. And also in the Middle East, 45 Christians were burned alive. They were tested, and they all passed. Would we? Could we? St. Peter again in his epistle says, Dear friends, don't be surprised by the fiery troubles that are coming in order to test you. Don't feel as though something strange is happening to you, but rejoice as you share in Christ's sufferings. Then you will also be full of joy when he appears again in his glory. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed because of the spirit of glory, the spirit of God is resting on you. Kind of interesting how in this reading this morning, St. James calls tests a gift from God. He says every good present and every good gift comes down from God. How can that possibly be, Pastor, that a test is a gift from God? Hey, there's a whole lot of gifts that we receive that don't, we don't necessarily like, Right? I mean, I remember in past Christmases, you always knew that you were confirmed now and you were a mature, growing male because Grandma always gave you a pack of underwear for Christmas. 
Didn't necessarily like it, but you needed it. On occasion, I received a spanking from my father. Didn't like it. It was a gift. I needed it. If you're a teenager, you get braces on your teeth. Don't necessarily like it, but it is a gift. Or necessary surgery. A lot of those gifts we don't like, but they still are gifts from God. God gives good gifts. If you ever had the chance of uh, taking a little child and asking him, hold out your hand now, because grandma or grandpa or auntie or uncle wants to give you a little present, but then you actually had to take their hand and put the gift in it, take, the, I mean, take their hand in yours and then put the gift into their hand, God is prepared to give us gifts. But he also takes our hand in his. Because you see, we don't even do receiving well without the assistance of God. And we need to know this. That when God sends certainly seemingly gifts that we dislike, that he's not punishing us because he already punished Jesus on the cross. And then all of a sudden when he sends us a good gift that we really like, then he loves us. God never changes. That's what St. James says. From the Father who made the sun, moon. The Father doesn't change like the shifting shadows produced by the sun and the moon. Did you ever do that little game? It's called a dominant eye game where you put your finger out in front of you like this, you know? And then you close one eye and you look at your finger and then you close the other eye and you open it up and it seems like your finger is moving. Well, you know as well as I do, your finger isn't moving. Your perception of your finger is. God doesn't change, but how we perceive and receive his gifts do. And then there are temptations that come our way from the devil. Temptations only come from Satan and, of course, the sinful nature within us all. And the devil tempts us to bring out our worst. That's why St. James says, My dear brothers and sisters, don't be fooled. And then he says, When someone is tempted, he shouldn't say that God is tempting him. God can't be tempted by evil, and God doesn't tempt anyone. Everyone is tempted by his own desires as they lure him away and trap him. Then desire becomes pregnant and gives birth to sin. When sin grows up, it gives birth to death. I wonder why it was that St. James talks about temptations right after he talks about tests. Because those Christians were tempted to give up. If this is what it, what it means to be a, a Christian and have to suffer all this stuff, I don't know if I want any part of it. The word tempt actually means to entice someone to do something wrong by the promise of pleasure or gain. And believe it, when temptations come into your life, that's not Satan's only goal is to, you know, don't go to church or get drunk or take drugs. You know, you know the, all the temptations. That's not the, temp, that's not the goal of the devil. The goal of the devil is to use those temptations to get you to sin, to lure you away from faith in Jesus Christ a little by little by little. Until it's almost like that lure, that bait. That's why you call it a lure when you go fishing. It looks really pretty until the fish bites it. And James also talks about the progression of temptation. He said, first there's desire, 
Then there's sin, and then there's death. And it wasn't that exactly that way in, in Eve with Eve in the Garden of Eden. First of all, she looked at it. She really desired it. Then she ate, and then there was death. I told you so, and now from dust you were taken, and to dust you will return. And how about King David? Sitting there and walking there idly on his porch. Today, I suppose you'd call it pornography, looking out at somebody else's naked wife. And then there was desire. And then there was lust. And then there was adultery. And then there was lying. And then there was murder. And then there was unbelief. And King David was an unbeliever basically for a whole full year until Nathan came to him and told him that little story and said, David, you're the one. And then he repented. St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, there isn't any temptation that you have experienced which is unusual for humans. God, who faithfully keeps his promises, will not allow you to be tempted beyond your power to resist. But when you are tempted, he will also give you the ability to endure the temptation as your way of escape. So it was uh, fun when I was, uh, how old was I, 24 years old, going on that canoe trip into Algonquin National Park. And by the way, they all uh, kept tabs on you as to when you went in and when you were supposed to come out because you did, if you didn't come out, they'd have to come out in looking for you. When I think of carrying that canoe in that backpack, I really don't know how I did it. And I would have to say that if I ever went back to Canada and I was invited to go on a canoe trip again, I would say, thanks, but no thanks, been there, done that, don't want to do it again. But be it known that the burdens of the trials and the tests and the temptations for all of us are going to continue an entire lifetime as a burden. But then remember that God never asks us to do anything that he is not willing to do himself. And so we see Jesus in the gospel for this morning out there in the desert enduring a trial and a test and a temptation. He endured the trial of living in that Spartan wilderness for 40 days. And then he fasted the entire time, which was a test of his endurance. And then when, the, when Satan initiated that temptation to sin, Jesus resisted so that he was in all ways tempted like we are, yet without sin. Jesus, a trial and a test and a temptation all at the same time. First Peter chapter 2. God called you to endure suffering because Christ suffered for you. He left you an example so that you could follow in his footsteps. Christ never committed any sin. He never spoke deceitfully. Christ never verbally abused those who verbally abused him. When he suffered, he didn't make any threats but left everything to the one who judges fairly. Christ carried our sins in his body on the cross so that freed from our sins we could live a life that has God's approval. His wounds have healed you. You were like lost sheep. Now you have come back to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. And finally, what, what a wonderful guarantee Peter gives us in the fifth chapter of his first epistle. 
Turn all your anxiety over to God because He cares for you. Keep your mind clear and be alert. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion as he looks for someone to devour. Be firm in the faith and resist him, knowing that other believers throughout the world are going through the same kind of suffering. God, who shows you his kindness and who has called you through Christ Jesus to eternal glory, will restore you, strengthen you, make you strong, and support you as you suffer a little while. Power belongs to him forever. Amen and amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith this morning in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards. <laughs>